Number three, be a pro. Um, You don't have to be a pro to be a pro. Just be a pro. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 21 of the Matchbox Podcast presented by Ignition Coach Go. I'm your host, Adam Saban, and today I've got Drew and Kaylin with me in the studio. Today we'll be talking about traveling, and each of us are bringing five of our pro tips to make traveling easier and more efficient, whether traveling for races, training camps, work trips, or even that family vacation you've had planned for months. Drew also gives us a little spoiler alert about a special guest we will be having on a future episode, so keep your ears peeled for that. In the coming weeks, we will also be doing another Q&A episode, so please send us any training-related questions you have. You can send those to info at ignitioncoachco.com or find us on Instagram and send us a direct message. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't listened to the latest episode on race day nutrition and hydration, Flow Formulas has decided to come on as our first show sponsor. Flow offers a wide range of endurance sports-specific nutrition products, including high-carb drink mixes, hydration mix, recovery powder, and more, all optimized for your specific endurance needs. Use the code IgnitionPodcast, all one word, all lowercase, for 10% off your next order. All right, let's get into it. What you got for us, Drew? Are we starting off with the idiom again? Yeah, of course. Well, it's a dead split between the two. An Aladdin's lamp. A talisman that enables its owner to fulfill every desire. I was going to say, we just hooked a lot of people with that one. That's so good. And then you got, you're armed to the teeth. You guys ever heard that one? Never. Carrying a lot of weapons or heavily equipped. Which, for today's topic, Adam. I I, I mean, I guess maybe it's relevant. Uh, we're, we're Both not, of those we're not, are relevant. We're, we're not going to be giving pro tips on how to pack some heat, but uh, we yeah, will be but giving some basically, pro tips on how to travel better. Yeah, and you're going to be armed to the teeth with all these pro traveling tips. Yes. I see it's going to be like you've that. got an Aladdin's lamp right in your backpack with you. <laughs> I, w- I was kind of thinking like I'm, I'm hoping to be armed to the teeth going into Leadville this weekend. Exactly. Like, See, you know, twenty nine matchbooks, but uh, you I'm will sure. be if your travel is dialed. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll find out. So, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about uh, travel tips, how to take travel or training and racing on the road. Uh, so, all of us have done quite a bit of traveling. Uh, I know I've got plenty of athletes who have done some traveling. So, we're going to get into some of that today. Each of us are going to provide our five or top five pro tips. So. We'll get into that, but first, it's been a little while. Let's let's catch up a bit. What have you guys been up to? Nothing. What? <laughs> I'm just training. I haven't raced. I feel like I haven't raced in so long. It's been over a month. Well, I did a I did this little local gravel race. Got second. Bummer. End of story. Um, it was That's just a, a training. Dust Bowl 100. Yeah, Dust Bowl 100. It was a good event. Um, they've the cool. They've maxed out their. Uh, sign up both years. Last year it was four hundred. This year it was six hundred. They filled it both wow. times. It's only been going <laughs> that's for like two years. Beyond local race status, man. That's that's like pretty big yeah. deal. It's south of Indy, so I think it draws people from Indy and Louisville. Um, it's definitely an Indy race, like closer to Indy. But but if you do it, you know, in either t- in either city, you're going to get people from both, and then a lot of people from Cincy. So that's like the three big cities in this triangle. So. 
it was good. It was a hundred miles, dusty, dry, like a million turns. I've got a YouTube video. You can go look at it if you want. Um, yeah, the Dust Bowl 100. It was fun. But just training, it kind of fit the training goals for the month of July and August. I'm trying to do a big training uh, block of volume, um, trying to get in just a bunch of volume before cross. Because a lot of times in the cross season, when you're racing week in and week out, you miss out on some of those bigger volume rides. And so I've been trying to just pack in pack in all the, all the volume that I can. I just finished up a three-week block, and all three weeks were 20-plus hours, so... For me, that's rare, especially that to be that consistent three weeks in a row is pretty rare, but uh, I was feeling it by the end of it. So, And then I'll do the same thing over the next three weeks, another three-week big block, and then racing starts at the end of September. So, Drew, so um, for like kind of this big volume block, what, what kind of intensity are you doing in the like lead-up to, to cross season? So the first block was tempo with intensity, so I do... The bulk of it, the bulk of time and zone is tempo, but I mix in some VO2 because, you know, I don't want to like completely ignore the above threshold efforts because a lot, a lot of cyclocross is above threshold efforts, being able to accelerate at, out of turns, uh, being able to just like go hard, but still recover in tempo zone. Cause a lot of times it's like you go hard when you can, and then you're recovering when you can't in cyclocross. So trying to like create that in training as well. And then the next block is going to be just like a straight threshold block. Um, and the main goal of that would just to be to try to like bump up my FTP, just spending time like right at threshold or right above threshold. So longer intervals, I'll try to like create workouts that are getting my time and zone up to at least 60 minutes of threshold because I'll have to race 60 minutes at least at all these cross races. So if I can put my body through the ringer, and be able to maintain a heart rate, a threshold heart rate for 60 minutes. Um, that, you know, of course, cross is very sporadic. You're like on the pedals, off the pedals. So you're, it's like, it's more like 30 thirties. But when you look at your heart rate profile for a cross race, it looks a lot more like a, a threshold workout where your heart rate is just steadily pinned at threshold for an hour. So that'll be the focus for the next three weeks along with that volume. And I've got a couple crits that I'll finish up with Texas Roadhouse that'll fit the bill. Like that'll that's where I'll get in some um some like more upper intensity training. And so I'll use those races to do to get like some some above threshold work at those races, but then all the workouts that I'll do outside of racing will be threshold. So so you'll you'll kind of come into cross season maybe a little flatter intentionally and then use maybe yeah. some of those first few races to get some of the race specific intensity and then you'll save some of that really high intensity training for probably later in the season right absolutely yep yeah i'll yeah. start doing like vo2 um towards the middle of october or so i think and then november will be a big high intensity block before cross nats with a little and then the, there'll be a mid-season break somewhere too i think the first week in november the first two weeks in November, I don't have racing. So there's like a good three week block there where I could take like a mid season break. Cause hopefully this year, this season will be a little bit longer than seasons past because, uh, I think one of my big goals for the year is to try to make the world's team. So that'll extend my cross season another six weeks from middle of December to the end of January. So trying to plan, plan that in advance, I think is important. 
like when I'm going to take a midseason break so that I actually last to the to the end of January. It'll be really important. Cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you said that you said that um, you've got a couple crits between now and in cross season. When when will your cross season begin? Are you gonna are you gonna do all the first um, like start with go cross in mid September then? Yep, that's the plan. Go cross is September the sixteenth, seventeenth, and then I'll go to Rochester, and then I'll skip Charm City. So uh, we have a wedding to go to that week, actually in New York. So we're just going to stay in New York after Rochester, which works out well. And then I'll do the two World Cups. And yeah, then all of October, I'm basically racing. You've got the two World Cups, Cincy, Indy. Um, and then November is like wide open. Like there's only one UCI race I'll do in, in, in November at the Hendersonville UCI races. So like I'll race a bunch in September and October. And then November will be a good training block before I do Nats and the Europe block. Um, so it kind of works out really well. I'm doing a big, big training block now and then a big racing block and then a big training block again in November and then a big racing block at the end of the season. So it works out cool. well. And, and when will you know if you got a, a spot on the, the World Cup teams? Uh, the Oh, World Cup teams. Um it's based off two, of points. Two World Cups. We got we got yeah. Truck and Fayetteville are, are two U.S. based World Cups this year, and I'm sure that's um, a big big goal for yours is to race both of those. I'm pretty sure at this point I'm locked in um, mm-hmm. for both of those. It's based off of your points, like two or three weeks before the event, I think. Um, so, like of the okay. races this year, I think literally only Roanoke is going to go into consideration. Maybe Rochester. I'm not 100% sure on when the deadline for your points, for your UCI points go, but they, they choose to team based off of UCI points. I made the rosters last year. I've got more UCI points now than I did then. Um, we get two teams since we're the host country, so I think we get like either, I think it's 12 elite riders in that in the in the men's race. Um Four, we get 16, but I think 12 are allotted towards the pros and four are allotted for U23s, U23s only. Yep. And so I've, you know, I've got a one in 12 shot and I'm pretty sure I'm ranked like seventh or something out of all the Americans. And, and even a couple of the people ranked ahead of me aren't going to be racing. So like Gage Heck and Steven Hyde are both not racing. So really I'm ranked like fifth out of all the Americans. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I should be, a sh- you know, I should be kind of locked in at this point. Yeah, and the, the cross season is interesting this year. There, there's what six C ones. Yeah, more more than last year, right? Um, yeah, it's a lot. So the, yeah, it starts off pretty heavy. Like you, you mm-hmm. most most anyone who's like racing a full cross schedule won't miss a race weekend for like the first probably six weeks. I mean, except for I mean, you, that- like you're you're missing Charm City, but. You know, if you're trying to target all the C1s and World Cups, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to yeah. be on the gas for like five, six weeks. Yeah, that was a huge mistake I made last year. Um, I actually like, I even raced Indy Crit Gateway Weekends straight into Roanoke. So mm-hmm. last year I tried to race nine weeks in a row. Terrible idea. Just terrible. <laughs> uh, and in hindsight, that was such a bad idea. Um, of course, in the moment, you're like, man, I'm superhero. I can do whatever I want. And uh didn't go out that way. It didn't go so well. So this year I was very intentional about when I was going to take weeks off. 
I even wanted to skip the Fayetteville World Cup, uh, but because of some team logistics, it makes more sense for us to do both of the World Cups rather than just one of them. And you're like, it's like an a, a World Cup on American soil. It's hard to turn that down, but it was going to be a lot of travel. And as far as I know, Fayetteville is only the one World Cup, whereas like Waterloo, you get to race the C2 and the World Cup. So it's like you do get a little bit more bang for your buck there. Um, I wish that Jingle Cross was still on the calendar. Like if, if Jingle Cross and Fayetteville were on the same weekend, like which the, it, it, they originally were, I 100% was going to stay and go to Jingle Cross and skip the World Cup because to me, um, Jingle Cross is a better course. Jingle Cross is just a funner venue, funner race, and you don't have to travel as much. Waterloo and and Waterloo and um, Jingle were like two hours apart or something like that. And I've got a friend that lives up there, my roommate in college. So I like kind of always look forward to that week because I got to hang out with him for a whole week in between those races. So when they canceled Jingle, I was pretty bummed. And I originally had thought, oh, I'll just skip the Fayetteville World Cup. But um, but yeah, I'll probably do that one. But yeah, I'm de- I say all that to say uh, this year, I'm definitely being a lot more intentional about not racing every single weekend. So uh, I was I was going to I was I was already willing to skip Gateway if it meant racing Gateway and then going straight to Roanoke because that was hard last year. Um, Gateway's in St. Louis. It's a four day, four days of crits. And so to try to do that and go into a cross race the very next weekend would have been hard. But this year there's a weekend in between those two races. So it works out better. And then I'll have the Charm City weekend off as well. So definitely like incorporating more off weeks. Yeah, and like racing the the World Cup or you know both World Cups, you know you'll get a ton of UCI points. Hopefully, um, you know with racing both of those, so like skipping one of the C one weekends at Charm City isn't as big of a deal then. Yeah, and I've only done that Charm City weekend once. It didn't go great last year, so I think like you know you kind of have like negative experiences at races. Yeah. So, and it's a little bit further of travel than I'd like. It's like a 12 hour drive and all the other races are within 10 hours. Like Rochester's nine, Roanoke is six. So, you know, it's just for far enough away where like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. Yeah, totally. With all of this crosses coming, I do have some exciting news that I haven't even told these guys, but uh, I secured an all-star guest appearance for the podcast. I think secured is maybe the right word. We just have to find a time that works for him. We're going to do, we've already talked about this. We're going to do a a hashtag CX is coming episode here in the next week or two. And you guys won't believe who I've got on the docket for the podcast. We're going to leave it as a cliffhanger. Are you going to tell us now? I was going to tell you right now. Okay. It's going to look really bad if he bails on me though. Well, if you, nah, say it, we'll do if you it. say it now, then he can't. Yeah, I'll send him this episode and say, hey, man, you got to be on the podcast. Any guesses? So who is it, man? Dude, it's good. It's a ringer. Are, you who, want us to guess like, or something? You, who's you want- the one Who's the one guy in Cyclocross that if you were going to have on a podcast, this is the guy? Stephen Hyde. No, come on, dude. Stephen Hyde's not that good at talking. Okay, J Pow. J Pow, bro. Yes. J Pow's coming on the podcast. I that was emailing him. What's up? I said, what? yo, we got this podcast. We're doing a cross episode. He said, all right, man, let me know when. Love it. That's awesome. Yes. What a guy. That'll be good. That'll be that'll be super good. 
Yep. Uh, so yeah, it's so a little spoiler there. We are going to do a CX is coming uh, maybe next week or the week after. Maybe sometime in the next couple of weeks. We want to get it in with yep. plenty of time before uh, before cross season really gets underway. So keep an eye out for that one. All right. So Caitlin, so what about you? What have you been up to lately? Oh, it's been so long since I've been on here. So I'm happy to be to be back. Um, last month was honestly a blur. It started off with two weeks of coaching this youth mountain bike camp, which is so awesome. The first week was a little in over my head. It was an enduro camp and these kids like shred. It is, it is insane. So I actually learned a lot from that. So that was super fun. And then that rolled over into the next week, which was a travel camp and they're staying on campus at this private boarding school that's not used in the summer. Um, so they're sleeping there, but every day we're loading up bikes, we're going to a different trail system and like hitting some of the best trail systems in Virginia. It's, it's super awesome. And if you're listening, you have kids that ride, like look up cutaway bike camp. It's, it's a blast. And then literally had a day to come home, visit with my dog, my husband, unpack, do some laundry, repack, and then head out to Colorado to get ready for Telluride 100 which went actually surprisingly well. I thought I was just going to be out there trying to to survive, but there was a little bit of thriving going on. I took third, so pretty happy with that. Yeah, that's super awesome. Did so so tell us about the preparation for Telluride. What did you do different for for that race that you think maybe made a difference? Um so you you had done the the camp 2 weeks before. Did that play a factor into like your, you know, alternate um, like altering your training at all too. Cause like now you're like, you know, all day hanging out with kids and stuff, probably not able to go do intervals and things like that. I think there were some good things and some not so good things about the camp for my personal training. I was really worried, uh, that I wasn't getting the structure that I needed, that I w- was losing fitness, but with the amount of time we spent on the bike, I think if anything, I maintained, um, but actually, <laughs> In the summer, Virginia, super hot, super humid, and I was in the heat all day. And then we would go back to the dorms, and the dorms don't have air conditioning. So it was long days in the heat, and I do believe that there's some crossover between acclimating to the heat and and acclimating to altitude. Um, So I think those adaptations actually played a part. Um, So... Some good things and not so good things. And then I went right out to Golden to stay with my friend for about a week, week and a half before the race, you know, which is at 5,600 feet to kind of stair step the altitude um, before we went to Telluride. And you can ride up to 7,000 feet there in Golden. So I got some good workouts in and I, I think it paid off. What, what was your fa- what was the favorite ride you did in Golden? Oh, I must have hit the lookout chimney loop like four times. I went, you know, this long, beautiful, perfect grade road climb up Lookout Mountain. Uh, and then you come across uh, this like Buffalo Bill Museum and gravesite. And right there, you drop down Beaver Brook, which is extremely technical. It was really fun. Uh, and then you hit from Beaverbrook Chimney Gulch, which was super loose, um, pretty technical as well. Hit hit my head <laughs> a good bit, so I was was worried about that. I broke a helmet and like Ooh. was concerned about not being able to 
to race, like, so paranoid I was going to have a concussion. But yeah. talked to my coach, Drew, and he talked to me off the ledge. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty nervous when she called me. You never, like, when she called me and said she crashed, that's never a good conversation. But luckily, it wasn't anything serious. So it wasn't like, yeah. Luckily, we didn't have to like worry about a concussion or anything. There were any, there weren't any symptoms of a concussion the next day, so it was good. Um, sweet. So, Caitlin, so do you have any like big races now that you're preparing for? So you, you come home from Telluride, kind of back in routine again. Uh, what what what's coming up next? This season has really just been making itself. It's been kind of fun to watch it play out. So. You know, I broke my leg. I was started riding really again in March. Um, I got a free entry into Transylvania Epic, which is five day stage race, which was perfect for May. Threw me into some fitness, uh, helped me get back into the swing of bigger volume and get ready for just being on the bike at camp. And then Telluride, and Telluride was like this perfect high altitude block before Shenandoah. So Shenandoah. 100 in September, all the eggs in that basket. We'll see what happens. Are you going to do marathon mats? I am. <laughs> Sweet. I don't know why it's doing this again. You hear it too, Drew? Yeah, did it there. All right. We're going to try one more thing. Drew, let's turn our echo thing off. Maybe that didn't work so well. <laughs> I had never turned mine on. You didn't? Uh-uh. Oh, well then. I feel like it has to be me then because I don't hear anything. Mm-hmm. It's only when Adam talks. Maybe it'll do do it. When no, I it, talk, it did it when I'm... it did it when you first started talking too. Mm, okay. It's something to do like when it hears a new sound. It like okay. But I feel like if it was picking anything up from me, like you would see the little recording thing in the corner. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Well, it, it, I think as long as we kind of keep talking, it seems like it's it's figuring it out. Okay. Um, weird okay cool so marathon mats <laughs> adam are you in leadville no so i'm not in leadville right now so i i drove to spearfish south dakota yesterday okay uh, which is about five hours straight west and it's like basically sh- almost straight north of denver so i'm spending yesterday and today here up in spearfish yesterday i got out for like a couple hour mountain bike ride uh, today, kind of just taking it easy, probably do like a one and a half to two hour, just easy endurance day. And then we're driving down. So a couple of my friends that live out here, we're driving down tomorrow to Leadville. So it's like an eight hour drive. We're going to leave here like eight in the morning, get there like four ish, hopefully uh, in the afternoon. Uh, Cause I have to, I have to check in by five. So We'll be kind of cutting it close, but that's when my friend gets off work. So we got to wait till she's off work. So we'll get in kind of like right before uh, check-in closes uh, and kind of doing like the arrive last minute uh, philosophy for altitude. So I'll, I'll like literally be at L- at 10,000 feet up at high elevation for I think like 14 hours total before the race starts. And then it'll be like less than 24 hours total by the time the race is over. So we're kind of trying that out. Um, I just wasn't able to to go out there for more than five or six days. So it just wasn't worth it to go ahead of time at all. 
Uh, but it's good though. Uh, Spearfishes were one of my other A races for the year. Uh, the Dakota Five O takes place, so I got some pre ride on the course yesterday, which was fun. Um, kind of helps keep my mind off of Leadville, kind of having this other focus here and like other intentions while I'm in town here in Spearfish. Why don't so, you want to think about Leadville? I don't know because it's freaking hard, man. <laughs> I don't want to be thinking about how hard it's going to be on Saturday. <laughs> bummer um so yeah so we'll get down to down to leadville but uh yeah it's leadville week uh got the bike all prepped i'm not really i haven't really been training for leadville like I've, i'm training for my other a races and leadville is kind of just uh, a, a big race that we're throwing in the mix um but it's obviously a really hard effort super high elevation uh so you know hopefully the fitness that i'm bringing in will will kind of transfer over pretty well but um, I would say that the the main thing that I've done to like prep for Leadville would be like spending more time on the bike that I'm going to be racing on, which is my hardtail. Um, so I've been doing like almost all of my training, even like endurance and recovery rides, like pretty much everything has been on the hardtail. We've got arrow bars on it. So I've been like spending a ton of time in the arrow position. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Otherwise, like all the training has been more specific towards some of my later season goals, like the Dakota five Oh and Schwamigan. And, um, I think marathon Nats is on my calendar too now. So, um, kind of have a pretty heavy August, September, October. Um, and then I, I'm hoping to, to finish the season at Iceman. I've always wanted to go do that race. So, um, and then I'll, I'll kind of cut off the season at that point, early November. Iceman nice. is first weekend in November. Yeah, it's always like, yeah, first weekend in November. I think this year it's November 5th, I want to say. Uh, so, so, yeah, um, it's it's super similar to Schwalm again, like, you know, less than two-hour cross-country race that's non-technical pack riding. Um, through, what, what? You're like... It isn't really even a mountain bike race. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like, it's, it, it is more, I, I, I mean, I've never done it, but I've, I've seen plenty of videos and heard plenty of race recaps and stuff, but it sounds more like an extended cyclocross race, really. Like the course is pretty narrow, like tape to tape kind of, um, yeah. it's not super twisty and, and windy, like it's, a cross it's race. A, like it's, it's not, not a cross. It's not, effort. It's not a cross no, race either. No way. But it's like, but, a, it's, like a, it's like a 90 minute FTP test. Basically. It's just like flat and straight. More or less, literally, yeah. Literally no turns. Like nothing. There's nothing. Have you done it? The most exciting part is the finish. And and mainly that's just because of all the people. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else and, on the course sucks. Yeah, but the the, the group the, the the race dynamics is fun though. No, it's not. Not when you're like everybody else there is stronger than you are. <laughs> <laughs> then you just get popped from the lead group halfway through and you're like, Well, that sucked. Sounds like Drew had a bad experience at Iceman. I had a very bad experience at Iceman. <laughs> um, but I mostly want to go just because it's kind of like the end of the mountain bike season, big party race, just kind of fun to cap things off there. It was either that or go down to Austin for the uh, Austin Rattler. It's like an, another mm-hmm. lifetime event. Um, but I don't know. Iceman just sounds more fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Let's go. It's like it's like two weeks after Marathon Nats, so nice. kind of perfect timing. I'm sure your coach can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right, so let's get into the topic for today. Let's go. 
So we we wanted to talk about some just tips to help make traveling uh, easier for you guys. So whether you're traveling like on a family vacation, but still trying to get some training in, or if you're preparing for like a big travel race that you've got to, uh, you know, head out of town for, um, we just wanted to bring some of our tips and advice that have worked for us to you guys so that hopefully you can make that process easier. So each of us are bringing five. We haven't discussed these at all. Some of them might end up being, uh, the same, which would actually be good. I think that would actually maybe validate some of these because, uh, a lot of times what works works. So we'll kind of see how much overlap there is, but, uh, let's, uh, let's start with you, Drew. I want to, I want to hear your take first. So give us Are your we top doing five, all five, tips. all okay. five, just run through so, them. And, and if we okay. have some that are, that are overlapping, we'll just get to that when each of us go. All right. This is great. Yeah. You know, like your typical, they, there's this joke in Baptist churches that like every Sunday is a, is a three point sermon. Um, like you go to church and it's always like, all right, here are my three points. Boom, boom, boom. And then you show up to church one Sunday and like the pastor's like, yeah, I got, I got 20 points today. I feel like that's what's happening. Like everybody's like, what? 15, 15 tips on traveling, but here we go. (laughs) Um, top five tips for traveling. My number one, and I don't think these are all in order of importance, but my number one is definitely the most important and that's planning and preparation. I think the more that you can have your ducks in a row before you even back out of your driveway, the better the whole entire trip's going to be. So I mean like, like planning everything, like try to have your bag organized like the more organized the better the more prepared the better because then the less you have to stress about when you get to your destination the the more that you can focus on the goal of your destination so if your goal is to train the more you can focus on training if the goal is to go to a race and perform the more you can focus on performing well you're not worried about oh my gosh my bike's not working or man i need to like go buy gels like all these things should already be thought through and planned and like already in place. So that's the number one and the most important, the more planning, the better. Number two, deliberate focus. And so what I mean by that is when it's time to go to a race, leave behind all of your other stresses of life and focus on the race or the goal of the trip. Um, I actually have, have, this is like me telling you to not do what I do. Cause I make this mistake too often where I get into, it happened basically the entire last cross season because we bought a house and I had all these goofy house projects I was doing. So like half my cross season was, you know, blue to pieces because I was like installing floors at like 2 a.m. in the morning. So like basically I have set a rule this year for no house project as soon as cross season starts. So, uh, and the idea behind that is that when I go to races, I don't want to be stressed about stuff at home. I want to be totally focused on the task at hand. So when I go to a race, I want to be deliberately focused on all my chips are in that basket. Number three, be a pro. Um, you don't have to be a pro to be a pro. Just be a pro. <laughs> um, so basically, don't Wait, sleep can, in. Can your... you say pro one more time? Yeah, pro. Um, <laughs> don't don't sleep in your van. This has been like one of the biggest things for me. I used to try to like skimp on everything, like try to save every little penny. Um, and I've learned 
over the years that if you've got a big race on the calendar and you've trained for months and months for this event, it's okay to like put yourself in a nicer hotel so that you're, or just a nicer situation overall. It doesn't even have to be a hotel, host housing. Just do everything you can to make the trip as effortless and as easy and as fun and all of that as possible. Um, because then you're going to race better. Because like mentally, if you're sleeping in your van, like you're not mentally going to be like, man, I'm a pro. If you're sleeping in your van, you're waking up thinking, man, I'm a bump. I just slept in my van. That wasn't fun. I didn't no, have- dude, if you're sleeping in your van, you're a gra- gravel privateer. Nah, dude. Look at Pacey McElveen. He sold his van and bought a freaking RV bus because he knew he needed to be pro. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, if you're going to spend all that time training for a race, spending a few extra dollars to get a nicer hotel so that you can be comfortable the night before a race and not have to stress about, man, my, what are these, like, animals making noises in the walls or, like, bullet holes in the door? Like, don't, don't do that. (laughs) Um, I would, I would just say like, yeah, I don't want to say like treat yourself, but it's a lot easier to show up to a race when like everything is dialed. You're like, man, I slept so good last night. I didn't have to worry about anything. And now all I got to do is focus on the race. So be a pro number four, uh, pre-create routes. I know that's like an easy one. We probably all already do that, but I found that to be super useful, especially if I'm going somewhere else to train. I do like to travel to go somewhere to train in a new place. Um, I will create routes and I'll have different options um, so that when I get there, maybe I had planned to do an 80 mile ride, but the weather's bad. So I already have a 60 mile route created in case that happens, but I've already like sat down and thought through and have these rides on my garment and all I have to do is roll out. Cause you don't want to like travel somewhere and get there and then realize like, I don't even know where to ride. And then you end up riding like busy car traffic loaded roads, you know? So, um, if you know somebody in the area, that's like your best bet, try to go ride with them and they'll show you the good roads. And then the last thing is, uh, something from my friend, Matt Fitzgerald couldn't make it through an episode without referencing him. He calls it the implementation intention. He references it in his book, Racing Weight, and he defines it as the practice of making specific plans for dealing with temptations before they arise. So when you're on the road, one of the easiest things to let fall to the wayside is your nutrition. If you don't plan ahead, what ends up happening, if you're in the car tomorrow with all your buddies, Adam, and you guys are in a rush to get to Leadville, and nobody has like already pre-planned, okay, we're going to eat a healthy lunch. We're going to stop by Chipotle and get the burritos because that's like the easiest, cheapest, healthiest meal on the road. If you didn't know that, Chipotle is the, was the way to go. If you don't already plan that ahead, you're going to end up getting fast food because you're in a rush. And next thing you know, you're like you feel like garbage. So uh, he calls it the implementation intention. And basically what that means is you're going to think about making good decisions before you have, before you get into the position to make bad decisions. So like before I walk into a restaurant, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to order a good meal, a good, healthy, whatever meal. I'm not going to like fall into my temptations and order the hamburger or the, you know, whatever, or drink soda. To me, it's always like ordering a soda. I'm like, all right, 
I'm not going to order a soda. And I make that decision before <laughs> I go into the restaurant. Because if you wait till the waiter asks you, your temptation might get the best of you and you'll order that, you'll order that Pepsi and you'll regret it. Those yeah, are my no, five. I, I love that one. I'm, I'm a big forward thinking kind of guy. Um, I just like, it's like, I don't know. To me, it, it's a skill that I don't understand how people get by life without. Um, but that's, it's a, kind of the same thing. Uh, I, I, I do fall victim to this sometimes. And yesterday was a good example. I like forgot to pack like a, like a car meal, basically like, you know, meal from home that I could just eat in the car. Yep. Uh, but lately my go-to when I'm on the road has been Arby's and, and mm. every year it's different. It's, it's always, it's weird. Like it used to be subway. Uh, sometimes it's like, um, you know, I don't know. Arby's has just been Bennett this year. Like there's one Arby's on this route. Like every time I drive this route, there's like one Arby's and I've, I've been going there and get the like eight piece chicken nugs and some curly fries. But I, at the same time though, like I, I allow myself a little bit of, you know, grace there. It's like, Hey, you know mm-hmm. what? It's okay. We're still four days out from the race. Like some yeah. chicken nugs and fries, like it's not the end of the world. It's better than not eating at all. There is one exception to that rule, and that is Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is always acceptable. I don't call Chick-fil-A fast food. It's not in the same category as Arby's and McDonald's. It's not fast food. I've never had it. It's luxury speed food. Chick-fil-A? That's what they call? They call it luxury speed food? No, that's what I call it because I don't think it's actually fast (laughs) food. I I would put it in its own category of luxury speed food. Yeah, no, I've never, I've never been to a physical Chick Fil A. Uh, I have had like homemade Chick Fil A sandwiches before, which were very good. Because you, you can buy the Chick Fil A sauce. What's wrong with you? We 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 just got a Chick Fil A in Sioux Falls like a year ago, um, but it was such like a huge hit that everyone went there, and like it was always like a thirty minute line in like inside and outside. Um, That's so, the best yeah. thing about Chick Fil A. It looks like a thirty minute line, and it's actually a five minute line. No it way! Dude, like twenty dude, cars. I am not. I'm not joking. There's twenty cars around Chick Fil A. It'd be faster than five cars at McDonald's every time. Is it just because? Because don't they only have like a couple items on their menu, so like everyone gets the same thing and they just like pump no, them out? Be, no, because their service is just like that's the best thing about Chick Fil A is that their service is like hands down so much better than every other restaurant in the world. I can't believe that you have don't know this. I'm like, we need to have a whole episode on this, like right here. Like, I mean, no, we don't need to encourage people to eat more fast food. <laughs> no, it's not fast food. It's gourmet speed food. When you get back, when you get back from Leadville, <clears throat> go to Chick Fil A at twelve o'clock. That's when it's the most busy. Go to the drive-through, and let's see what you say next week. All right, if it takes longer than. Then 20 minutes, you owe me 20 bucks. <laughs> Deal. Guaranteed it won't <laughs> take longer than $20. <laughs> Guaranteed. All right. Sounds good. Um, so let me go next because we're going to save the best for last. I'm assuming Caitlin probably did the most amount of preparation for this. So, uh, Oh, I have some fun stories. Yeah. I want to save yours for, for last. So, uh, so here are my top five uh, pro tips for traveling. So in this some of these will apply to training only like travels and some of them will be, uh, can apply to racing, but 
Um, the first one actually, this is a, this is kind of a twist. Um, this is like number one option. If you can adjust your training plan to either avoid having to work out altogether or like totally abbreviate your workouts, um, that's my first recommendation. If you're like going on a family trip or a work trip and, you know, bring in the bike, uh, or, or doing workouts in general is just going to add stress and, and, you know, chaos, then it's oftentimes not worth it. So if you can, um, like if, if your, if your travel happens to be like in the middle of the summertime, this might be a great chance for you to take that mid season break. If you want to hear about mid season breaks, uh, tune into a previous episode of ours where we talked all about mid season breaks. Um, if you're, if you're training, or if your travels um, are also like less than three to four days, so like let's say you're going on a work trip and it's Monday through Thursday, you know, that's probably not long enough to where you're really going to lose any fitness. So it's like trying to bring a bike or figure out where you can go work out uh, or fit your workout in around like this crazy busy work, work schedule uh, sometimes or oftentimes just isn't going to be worth it. So like maybe just you know, preload a little bit, do like some big work week, weekend workouts a couple days before, um, get some higher volume in, uh, and then, you know, take a couple days off when you're traveling. Uh, it's all also like a good chance for you to bank some time with the family. If you're, if you're going on like a family trip, um, you know, and just, and just be okay with that. You know, it's, it's, a, it's okay sometimes to take some time off. So if you can, uh, that's kind of like the number one option. Um, now if, if your training is, or if your trip is in the middle of like a big training block and it's going to be longer than four days and you absolutely can't take that time off, like I wouldn't recommend taking more than four days off if you're in the middle of a big training block, um, then see the next four options. So number two option I would say is cross training. So bringing your bike on the road is, is very challenging. Even if it's just in a vehicle, Riding your bike is so much harder to prepare for on the road than it is to like go to the gym or uh, throw on some running shoes or like if your hotel has like a pool that you can use, um, you know, or if you're like going by the ocean and you can like swim in the ocean or a lake or something. Um, riding your bike is just always going to be logistically more challenging than running or gym work or swimming or some other alternative. Um, and the main reason is one, it's, it's obviously bigger equipment. You've got to bring like your bike, you've got to bring your shoes, your helmet. Um, if you, you know, if you can't ride outside, then you've got to like bring a trainer. Um, but also like, if you are going to ride outside, like you have to cover most of the time, you have to cover so much more ground than you would like a, a 30 minute run. You're maybe covering four, five, maybe even three miles, depending on what your average pace is. Uh, so like you don't really need to plan your routes and stuff like that ahead of time. You don't need, you know, to have access to like, you know, uh, special, you know, specific roads or terrain or anything like that. Like you can just go out, you know, wherever you're at, or even like your hotel tread treadmill or whatever, um, you know, getting 30 minute running workout in can be quite effective. Whereas like, even like a 30 minute bike ride, you've got to like find a 10 mile route or like, you know, I guess if, if, if they have a spin bike or something like that could be fine, but, um, you know, cross training is always a good option. So 
you know, just think about that ahead of time. If you haven't been running, but you've got this trip coming up that you can't bring a bike, maybe throw like an extra running workout into your weekly schedule in the couple of weeks before, just to kind of prepare your joints and, and legs and kind of get back in that mindset of, of doing some, some running. Um, same goes for, for gym work too. You don't want to like introduce this new stress. You don't want to like, you know, go from not being in the gym at all to then like five days in the gym in a row, because you're going to like totally wreck yourself. Um, but you know, make sure you do a little bit of preparation ahead of time. If you do plan on doing some cross training. Okay. So the third one, so let's say, you know, you can't adjust your training to avoid working out, um, cross training, you know, you, you just don't want, you're not into cross training and you've got like, you know, some big training to do. Uh, the next one would be planning ahead. So this is kind of similar to what Drew talked about. Um, so if you are able to, or, you know, you have to, or you just want to bring your bike on your trip with you, uh, do some research ahead of time so that you kind of know what you're getting into. Uh, if you just want to knock out like workouts, like you're just focused on getting the training in and you're not really like there for, you know, exploring new terrain or trying to get, you know, big, long rides in, um, then you can look ahead of time and see if there's like any local, like, you know, nearby climbs or flat sections of like uninterrupted road where you can, uh, just get your specific workout in. So like, let's say you've got a uh, three by eight, uh, lactate threshold workout. See if there's like an eight minute or 10 minute long, uh, road climb nearby that you can just like, you know, you're going to go there. You're going to do your three by eight hill repeats and then head home. It'll make things, you know, quite a bit more simple that way. Um, or if you really want to be super specific and you're going to like a big city or somewhere where the train just isn't conducive to like the training that you have planned, that's when you might opt to bring a trainer. Um, you know, or, or worst case, if, if you call ahead, maybe the, the hotel, uh, or a nearby gym will have some kind of spin bike or exercise bike that you can use and kind of get that, you know, very specific structured training in. Um, but if you, if you want to be super structured, uh, having a trainer or something where you can ride indoors is going to be kind of your best bet. Um, a pro tip here. So I've traveled with the trainer a few times. Um, if you set up your trainer where you're facing the AC unit in your hotel room, you can actually get pretty good airflow from the, the AC unit. If you like crank up the fan all the way to high, I would usually turn down the AC cause you don't want to like your room to be 55 degrees when you're done. It's going to be kind of uncomfortable, but if you just turn it on the fan only option, crank it all the way up and kind of position your trainer, right. You can get pretty decent airflow and then you have, you can avoid having to bring a fan. Like that's like just one more thing that you have to add to the packing list. Uh, which brings us to, uh, number four. Oh, real quick. So one other tip. So if you, if you do decide that you want to take advantage of like some of that new terrain, like Drew was talking about, like sometimes he likes to actually travel to a destination to get some big training in, uh, oftentimes that can be a really good like motivator. Like, you know, if you're just going to like explore some new terrain doing five hours, like doesn't seem that bad. Like it's, it's actually fun. And like time goes by quick. Um, uh, a good tip for like planning some routes. One, if you, if you have access to it, you can use Strava heat maps. That's always a great option. Like, uh, they do a really good job. Like if it's like super pur purple, I think is like, um, means it's like a heavily used, uh, road or, or trail or something like that. Um, but you can build really good, uh, maps with, with Strava heat maps. Another option is you can always call the local bike shop in town, ask them for like, you know, recommended routes or like, you know, areas to hit. Uh, and you can even ask if there's like a local group ride. 
uh, that's always a good option. Then you don't have to worry about the root at all. You just follow the people you're with and you can get some like, you know, sporadic intensity thrown in there too and fun to meet some new people. So that's an option. Um, you know, if you, if you do want to take advantage of uh, some longer rides on a new terrain. There's actually uh, a uh, psychological advantage to it's called the big purchase, I think. But the, basically the idea is the more that you invest in something, the more focus you'll give that something. And so if you invest in a trip, a, tri- a trip just for training, when you get there, you're going to be totally focused on training. Whereas if you say, oh, I could save some money and stay at home and train on the same roads I always train on, you know, your training will probably be okay that week. But if you go uh, like out of town, it doesn't have to be crazy. I mean, like I'll, I'll go, uh, Tennessee is like four hours from where I live, the Smoky Mountains. And I'll go down there often to do like a training block. It's close enough to where it's not that big of a, an investment, but it's enough of an investment where like, if I can get four days in the Smoky Mountains, my training is going to be, I'm going to be that much more focused on my training because I'm outside of my normal element. I've invested into that. Um, so there's definitely like a benefit to doing that occasionally. Yeah, totally. And, and that's part of like, you know, me coming out, like I could have come out to spearfish late tonight and then just drove with my friends down to Leadville tomorrow morning. Um, but part of me like coming yesterday was like to give me two days of kind of getting in the right mindset before Leadville. You know, I'm just like, I've got training to do and I've got like, you know, some computer work and stuff to do, but that's pretty much it. Like I don't have house chores, responsibilities. Like I miss my kid and and wife obviously but um it helps me kind of just get in the mindset a little bit more um so yeah so that, that totally makes sense what you're saying though like with the uh, like planned training training travels um so the next one here uh packing light is is always i think beneficial uh especially with like cycling like it's so easy to like pack your entire wardrobe of clothes and gear and parts. And, you know, if you're driving, you're bringing multiple bikes and like, it's, it's so easy to just all of a sudden have all this stuff that you're bringing with you. And all that stuff is going to take away your focus and time and energy from either, you know, the goal of the trip, which is maybe like a family vacation, or if it, if it, if your goal is training, it's probably going to take some energy and, and uh, focus away from that training Um, so trying to pack light. So, uh, think about everything that, you know, for sure you'll need, you can't go without your bike. You can't go without your bike computer. You can't go without your bike shoes. Can't go without your bike helmet. You can't go without your bike kit. Uh, that's kind of like the bare necessities of like what you need. Um, everything else on top of that is just, just extra stuff. If you need extra layers, bring like one pair of extra layers. Don't bring, five different pairs of arm warmers to match all of your different kits. Like who cares, right? You're just, no one's going to, no one's going to judge you. No one's going to care. Um, if you can get away without bringing like five kits for five days, if you can bring three kits for five days and wash them, uh, like a pro tip here is like to pack some, uh, Tide pods or like, um, uh, like liquid detergent in like a little baggie or something. And you can just wash everything in the sink. It's pretty easy, very effective, hang dried overnight, you can rewear multiple kits in one travel trip, um, and that'll just help reduce the amount of stuff that you're bringing with you. Uh, it doesn't take that long. You know, it's not like it's taking a ton of energy to do that. Um, but you know, the, the, the lighter that you can pack, the easier, more simple you can make your packing. Just the less decisions you have to worry about, the less stuff you have to like keep track of. At the end of your trip, like if, 
if you, you know, like, let's say you're, you're traveling Wednesday through Sunday and you have the chance to ride on that final day, the less stuff you have to pack, the more time you're going to have on that Sunday before you hit the road to train. So like, instead of packing for an extra hour, you can get an extra hour of riding in and that's awesome. And that's going to go way further than like having, you know, two pairs of knee warmers. Um, so try and pack light if you can too. like, think ahead of time, what the, like the best terrain is that you're going to be riding and just bring one bike. Like you don't have to bring three different bikes till I have three different types of, you know, riding in, you know, if, if you're, if there are trails and you want to hit some trails then bring a mountain bike and just ride your mountain bike on the road. Sometimes if you're doing some intervals, um, if there's not going to be trails or if you're, you know, primarily riding road, then maybe bring, you know, your gravel or your road bike and just, just plan on that. You know, don't, don't get too hung up in like, you know, different bikes and different conditions and trails and things like that. Um, you know, try and just, just stay pretty focused and, and keep things, you know, uh, pretty simple. So there's um, two strategies for packing. You can, you can go off of memory or you can go create a list. Um, yep. you can create a list, like a paper list and print it out and use it every time. Or maybe easier is to create a list on your phone because we're all forgetful and having a list to remind us if you have all the necessities is, is a helpful thing. You don't want to get to a race and realize, dang, I left my shoes at home. Um, something totally. like that's going to be hard to find, uh, a spare or expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would say that lists actually can help simplify things. It can help keep your mm-hmm. packing even lighter. Yeah. Uh, if you're trying to just like, you know, go off of memory or just like, you know, last minute throwing stuff together before you know it, you're like, you know, packing your winter jacket for a summer mountain bike race. And you're like, yeah, oh, I didn't need this winter jacket. Like, what was I thinking? But you're just like yeah. throwing everything, you know, from the closet into your bag. Um, so yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend a, a list for something like this. And the list is actually really good. It's helpful because you have your packing list for when you're packing and then you keep that same list on your phone or, you know, if you wrote it on paper, throw it in your, in your, in your bag. And then when you're packing to go home, you do this, you do it again to make sure you got everything. The last thing you want to do is like, forget Mm. your phone charger or, you know, your bike computer or your shoes. Like you don't want to forget any of that stuff at the hotel or the Airbnb or wherever you're staying. Um, especially if you're going to be doing some transfers, like let's say you're doing a, you know, a week long road trip and you're doing three different destinations, like you don't want to, you know, if you're, if you're packing and unpacking multiple times, you don't want to forget anything because that'll really throw a wrench in your, in your trip. One thing um, I'll do when I'm, when I'm backing out of my driveway is like a last step is I'll just run through my body. I'll start at my head and go down. So I start at my head and go helmet, glasses, Jersey, uh, arm warmers, jacket, bibs, leg warmers, shoes, socks, and then kind of the same thing on my bike. You know, there was everything on my bike that I need computer bottles saddlebag you know so yep it helps to kind of like run through things as like a last second check for me at least yeah totally and and it can be helpful too um obviously you want to check the weather ahead of time so you know what kind of conditions you might be up against um but it can be really helpful like to just think about it in days so like if you're trying to you know if you're packing your kits or whatever think about like okay day one i'm going to wear this kit day two i'm going to wear this kit Day three, I'm going to wear this kit. Day two, I'm going to, or day four, I'm going to wear a day two's kit again. You know, I'm going to clean it. Um, it can, it can be helpful to do that as well. Uh, and then, and that way you can kind of like, you know, minimize what you're bringing. Like you're not just throwing five jerseys in your bag or whatever when you're only riding for three days. Yeah, that's what I do. I have like this, 
I do have a packing list, but then I have like this master list of where I write out, you know, Monday through Friday, Monday through whatever, each day of the week that I'm going to be gone traveling. And I have what, (laughs) it's kind of ridiculous. I have what I'm going to wear, things that I need to do each day, whether that's like go to packet pickup, you know, run to the grocery store. And then I have my meals laid out. Like I'm going to eat out here. You know, this is going to be my the place that I'm making a reservation Saturday night after the race because I'm like ready to treat myself. See, I, I, I told you guys we were saving the best for last. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> get more into it. So, so let me, let me get one more here. So this is my last one. Uh, stay flexible and have grace with yourself. Uh, travel is always going to be different and less controlled than being at home. And that's okay. So know ahead of time what you're getting into you know, know that if something comes up, if, if, you know, weather arises or if, you know, last minute, you know, lunch plans come up or whatever, if you just can't get that workout in now, it's different. If you're, if you're traveling for a race, if you're traveling for a race, you, you do want to try and control as much as possible and plan ahead. Like we're talking about here. Um, but, but more specifically, I'm talking about like training on the road. It's okay. If something changes, if you have to alter something, um, you know, don't freak out. Don't, don't cancel a bunch of, you know, in, you know, plans or, you know, um, you know, family activities and stuff just because you like, you know, didn't wake up in time to do your four hour morning ride. If you only got two hours, get two hours in, you know, it's anything's going to be better than nothing if you are trying to train on the road. Um, but just know that, uh, sometimes things will change and that's okay. Uh, if, if the, if training is not the goal of your travels, which is kind of what I'm talking about here, um, then you just have to look at the bigger picture and know that when you get home, you know, there might be a little bit more work to do or something. Um, but it's okay. You you're, you're going into that knowing that everything's not going to be perfect and have some grace with yourself, uh, and just allow yourself to be flexible. All right. All you Kaylin, take it away. All right. I'm doing kind of the three point sermon here, but my first point is really like five and one. So first, I'm going to blow your mind with some of these. These are practical slash money-saving hacks. Um, So I fly with my bike. And if you're not using bike flights to ship your bike out there and you're bringing your bike on the plane with you, um, look into like an Evoc bag, a soft bag versus a hard case because just in general, the people throwing your bike around are going to be a little more gentle with a soft case versus a hard case. Um, and I've seen like, and it packs easier. Like, like once your bike's not in there, you can compress it down. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as packing the bike, you know, you're taking off rotors just because if they get bent, Yes, 100%. Don't give me, you're taking off rotors because if they get bent, they're like a pain in the butt to straighten out. When, when so, I travel with my gravel bike in my mountain bike bag, I, I take the front wheel off and that's it. Saddle stays in position, pedals are on, handlebars are straight. I literally, I, it's big enough that I can fit it in there. I, I only take the front wheel off and just throw it in there. Do you get it under 50 pounds? Just curious. Oh, yeah. No, it's like 35 pounds. Oh, nice. All right. Um, anyway, but you're doing it the right way. You, you're taking off the road. Yeah, if you're, especially if you're going to a race, you know, you want to make sure all your gear is making it there safe. You're taking off the derailleur. You're packing that in a towel. 
But yeah. <laughs> anyway. So C- Caitlin Caitlin would be so frustrated with me if she saw my bike packing job on some of my trips. I just don't want to get there and realize, you know, my frame is cracked because something hit. I don't know. I just very particular with it. (laughs) Anyway, so you need specific tools to do that. And you might not have the ability to pack those tools and then ship them. Um, But you don't want to do that anyway. And that's more money, more hassle, more things to get lost on the plane. So if you call around in bike shops, instead of spending $50 for them to build your bike for you, because you don't need that, you can say, hey, can I borrow some tools? Can I maybe slip you a 20 or a six pack and, and use some of your tools for like five minutes? You'd be surprised. A lot of them say yes. And if they say no, find a, find another shop. All right, this next one. So that, that's actually a really, that's a really good point. Um definitely look at you know look ahead of time into what the restrictions are for your carry-on because i've seen this before uh people bring their tools in their carry-on and then they get confiscated and now you don't have any tools you've you've done that travel i've flown once in the last three years uh to the rochester crit which by the way we only raced three laps and then it got canceled but that's besides the point. And you can't have a tool that's longer than eight inches. So yep. multi-tools are usually good. A three-way is good. But I had a... Uh, Probably for your cent- pedals. No, no, no. Center lock for my rotors because I took my uh, rotors off. And the the notched, like the 16 notch. They took those. They took it from yeah. me. Yeah, and, and same can happen like with, a, with like an eight millimeter hex wrench. Sometimes those yeah. are too long. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, for like getting your pedals back on or whatever. So yeah, I just, the only just reason I even, time. the only reason I even traveled with it was because my, I had a, I had a really bad bike bag and it was, and it was over 50 pounds. So I had to take out like everything beside, like everything that I could, I had to take out. So back to Caitlin's point of like, just get a good bike box. And that's not an issue because you can pack your tools in your bike box. Yeah. All right, listen to this one. So, uh, air tags. Do y'all know mm. about air tags? Uh, best investment. I think you can get a pack of two for like $30. They're like the size of a quarter. You slip one into your bike bag, you slip one into your, your luggage. And what it does is it pings off of, they're made by Apple, they ping off iPhones. And uh, it tells you where, where your bags are. So I've seen like five vlogs or Instagram posts recently. It's been really bad. People losing luggage, people losing bikes. They end up in a different country, different state. And people like, there's nothing that can be done. Like, Is that legal? It can, it can like, no, no, I mean like the air tags. It can use other people's cell service to tell you where your bags are. That's like, that's legal. I guess it just gets signal off of other people's phones. Um, wow. Yeah. So anyway, instead of, so I I got those, put one in the bike bag. And as soon as you land and you're turn your phones off airplane mode, it starts getting that signal and boom, like it tells me it is with you. It is on the plane. So it's super cool. So if it wasn't like, I would be able to see exactly where it was and I wouldn't have to spend two hours waiting at baggage claim to see if it's going to show up or when it's going to show up. So can just, can you also use it um, like to to check that your bag made it on the airplane? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
you see exactly its location. So I was on the plane, like watching it travel onto, like while we were sitting there boarded, watching it travel through the airport into the plane. It was pretty cool. That's a game changer. Yeah, seriously. And you don't have to pay for a monthly service. It's just a thing that you, it's a one-time thing. Yeah. You just charge it and put it in your bag. No, no, I don't think you even charge it, dude. It's like a, it's like a little sticker, right? It's like a, yeah, but it has to have size of a coin. How's it? How's it have energy? Yeah, it has to have energy somehow, dude. Battery in there. It's sending some kind of signal. You can't send a signal without power. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure you don't have to charge it though. <laughs> okay, you don't, you well, don't charge them. Put a put a battery in it. Whatever. <laughs> Make sure it works and put it in your yeah. bag. There we go. Yep. Yeah. All right, air tags, and then the next one. So rental cars are ridiculous. Just price through the roof right now. So here's what you do. You get to the airport, you Uber to a U-Haul. You've already made the reservation online, and U-Haul is now your rental car. You can get a cargo van, so you can put bikes in the back. You don't have to worry about having a bike rack or anything. They're protected from the elements. It's like $20 a day. And if you go over mileage, then they really start charging you for that added mileage. So it might be uh, better for you to make the reservation for longer so that you have those added miles, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They'll kind of cancel each other out. So I had one big trip to make, and that was to drive with my friend from Golden to Telluride, which was like five and a half hours and back. Um, and that was a lot of miles. So we ended up doing longer. We didn't just get it for the time that we needed. You know what I mean? We made it for like a two-week reservation. I saw a lot of people last last cross season showing up to races with U-Hauls. Like it was a it was a thing. Yeah. Um and then Yeah, I think those were those were the big ones. The U-Haul instead of rental car, soft case versus a hard case, borrowing tools from the bike shop, air tags. So, just some some practical Wow, we we really hit like three completely different areas. All of mine were psychological. All of that. Oh, no, Drew, that, oh, that was just that was just her like <laughs> just, travel hacks. Oh well, then I'll save my final comments for the end. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then next, uh, it was funny because Drew and I were actually talking about this. Like as a coach, I like to focus more on like the holistic side of things, the big picture, and uh, having a good sleep uh, routine, having a good nutrition plan, like those things can honestly make or break your training. So it makes sense that those would be my two points for travel as well. So having your, a good sleep plan. So that might be um, planning your flights in a way that will help you adjust to the time change, depending on where, where you're traveling. Um, And then of course, so can (laughs) Can you uh, elaborate more on that? Like, how how would you adjust? How would you pick flights to to best help you adjust to the time change? I've never I've never so, heard of this before. So, flying from Virginia on the East Coast to Golden, there was two hour time difference. Um, I'm super sensitive to to sleep changes changes. Uh, 
And it just worked out. I hadn't even thought of this before I scheduled the flight, but it worked out that uh, I had a flight that was leaving at 5 a.m., I believe it was. So I was up at like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was exhausted by the time I, you know, finally made it into Colorado. And I was just stayed up as late as I could, ready to go to sleep. Um, and I just felt like because I was so exhausted and pushed myself to stay awake until we went to bed at like nine o'clock that I was just instantly on their time zone, if that makes sense. Um, coming back, I didn't have to worry about that as much. It wasn't as important um, to be on the, the sleep schedule coming back. I just got the best deal on the flight that way. But going out there, just kind of pushing yourself to exhaustion so that when you're when you're ready to go to bed, you're you're sleeping for that full eight hours. Um, and then forget everything the guys said about uh, Arby's and Chick-fil-A. Now, have yourself a good food plan. Um, you know, if you're making it a long weekend, don't end your races on Saturday and you're traveling out, you know, Thursday. Thursday night, don't hit Arby's. Come on. It's super important two days before you're two nights before your race that you're eating really nutritious food. So that's like your deep leafy greens. That's things that have fiber because two nights before you're going to be able to process that. Um, if you're not used to having a lot of fiber in your diet, whatever, like get the things that are highly nutritious. Um, and then the night before is when you have like your pasta, your more easily digestible carbs. So that's looking at your Airbnb uh, seeing what they have available to cook with, if they have a full kitchen, you know, everything you need there, knowing where the grocery store is, planning on when you're going to, you're going to get everything you need and not just nutrition, uh, for your daily meals, but I have another fun story for this one. So I didn't fly out with my race day nutrition and I, I train and race with Martin. Um, I just, I like their products. It's flavorless. I know Sharon and I have talked about that before. It's kind of weird, but it is, it's flavorless and you don't have to worry about that like flavor fatigue. The consistency in the gels is really nice. It's a little more like a hydrogel, kind of like SIS gels. Um, and I didn't want to carry it out there. I was like, surely in Colorado, someone somewhere will have it. And I didn't look right away. And I waited till the last minute and I found a bike shop that had it, or I actually was a running store and I wanted the non-caffeinated gels. And I walk in and he's like, Oh, I just sold the whole box and we don't have any more, but we have more in like three days. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm leaving tomorrow to go to Telluride for my race. Uh, and then I was like, all right, next best thing, Russian order from the feed to the Airbnb. UPS delayed the order and said it needed it. Uh, address change and I was like no this is right so I confirmed the address and it didn't make it there on time so luckily I had a I had trained with hammer gels before um so I found a bike shop that sold hammer and had to roll with it but learned a very valuable lesson and then it was the whole thing of once I got home trying to track down where my you know $40 worth of gels and other things that I had ordered was so I had to 
called the Airbnb lady and uh, it wasn't there. So then I um, got a got a text or got a call from the real estate office because it went to the wrong address and the guy was super nice. So he's shipping them anyway. So that was a little a little debacle. Like I said, learned a valuable lesson. So travel with your race day nutrition or find a place that, you know, has it available where you can purchase it for pickup when you get there. So, Caitlin, do you know, can you can you just go, walk, like walk into the feed and like, could you have bought stuff from them? Because they're in Boulder. So there was only like 20 minute drive. Oh, potentially. I don't know. I didn't even think about that. Hmm. I mean, it's obviously doesn't work if you're not in Colorado, but uh, maybe that would have been an option. Dude, I've totally had that thought. I'm like, I need this thing. I know it's in that warehouse 20 miles away. I know they can't give it to me for another three days. If I drive there and find it in that, it's in there. I know it's in there. If I just go in there, I can get it. I've all, I've had that thought before, but it, unfortunately, that's not how the world usually works. Can I say my final remarks now? Wait, hold on. Are you are you done, Keelan? Is that yeah? The okay. sleep plan, food plan, and those cool. hacks. That's that's all I got. Final so, remarks. So, Kaylin, so I'm, I'm curious, though, like, what would you like? What was your main um, motivation for leaving your your nutrition at home? Like, did you like you said you didn't want to bring it on the plane? But like, how come? I Suspic- took a carry on suspicious white so powder. Flew- like, come on. That's the best part. Flew- they like they like swab it down and stuff. I flew American Airlines. And so I was allotted a personal item, which was my backpack. Um and I put my helmet on my backpack because I don't want that in the bike bag bouncing around. Um, and You'd rather it be bouncing around on the trail? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, come on. Um, oh, that was so, a dig. That was a reference to yeah. Caitlin's crash. And, and, your, and your bike bag was probably too heavy then, you're saying, to fit your nutrition into the bike bag? No, so I had a carry-on, and my carry-on was all of my clothes and some toiletries, and that was, like, all my kit, my clothes for two weeks, packed to the brim, my cycling shoes, and I put my pedals in my cycling shoes and my carry-on. And then I had the bike bag, which had my bottles, and, like, my bike bag was my one checked item, so that was only $35. Even though it's a bike bag, it's oversized, it's still counted as one checked yeah. item, so it was only $35. As long as it's less than 50 pounds, right? Yes, and it was 50 on the dot. <laughs> right. Right. So so since it was 50, you couldn't fit your nutrition in your bike bag, you're saying? Because that's usually what I do is I'll, I'll put it in the bike bag because I figure, like, if my bike doesn't make it, then it really doesn't matter if my nutrition makes it because I'm probably not going to be riding anyways. I'm going to make my own bike bug, bike bag this year. <clears throat> Dude, I thought you were t- trying to be pro. That was like your number three tip was to always be pro. I am. My bike bag's going to be better than one that I could buy. And it'll <sighs> weigh less so I can put more stuff in it and I have to Dude, stress a, about the 50-pound thing. There's a lot of bike bags out there, man. Yeah, they're like $500. I can make one for like 50, dude. I thought about <laughs> it. I've thought about it and I'm committed and I'm pretty sure I could do it and it would be legit. Maybe I'll to start fit two selling. bikes in. Are you talking about a double bike bag? Um, I have thought about that, but I don't know. Anyways, 
maybe I'll start making my own bike bag, Dizzle's bags, and you can buy it and it'll <laughs> be so light and so good. All right. So what, what were your, clo- your closing remarks? Oh, yeah. Final remarks. I was going to say, it's so cool how all three of us had the same, like, same task at hand. Like, what are your top five travel tips? But all of us were so different. Like, mine were totally like psychological and focus and implementation. And then Adams is more like, uh, before you leave and prep and planning. And like, he even talked about how you can adjust your training and maybe you do adjust your training. And then Caitlin's was the actual packing and planning and like the actual, when you are traveling, like when you're on the plane, when you're in the airport, what you eat when you're on the road, the logistics, there we go. Logistics. I just liked how all of us had different, like different main themes that we were focused on. I thought that was cool. Yeah. It was good. But it's been a long podcast and we should probably go. Oh, okay. So just because I'm curious and I need more ideas, road trip snack, what is your go-to? Like in the car? Yeah. Arby's. (laughs) Chicken nuggy. <laughs> no, I so so something that I like is like a trail mix. Um and the nice thing is almost every gas station is gonna have some form of trail mix or nuts or something. So that's usually something that I'll kinda go to. Um for this trip actually my wife made me these like peanut butter uh energy balls that mm, are super yes. good. Power so balls. Yep, yeah, power balls, that's what she calls them. Yeah. So yes. I was uh those are the balls. <laughs> I, I love those. those. Yep. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. If you can make some power balls, that's the way to go. I would say when you're on the road, anything that's like real high in satiation. So like things that are higher in fat and protein are going to satiate you more. If you sit there and eat a bunch of carbs, it's just going to like, it's not going to fill you up and you're not going to be using those carbs if you're sitting in the car all day. So like the power balls are great because you got a bunch of flax seed and peanut butter in there that's going to be high in good fat, and so that's going to satiate you longer. Um, I go for, yeah, peanut, uh, like nuts, and then trail mix, and then I like fig bars. Pretty sure fig bars are high in carbs, but fig bars are, like, dense and cheap, so I like that. And so dry. Not the good ones. Yeah, you can't get the generic fig bars. Those are like yeah, like those are dry like cardboard yeah, the bre- and like right because the, the bre- jam because the breading around it is so bad. But if you get the the good ones, the the breading is actually a lot better. Yeah, yeah. I've learned that. Well, shoot, I was making myself out to be like the epitome of health, and I have like the most unnutritious road snack every time without fail. I'll stop at a convenience store, stop at a gas station, and I'll get Chex Mix like the savory kind and then a, yeah. a green machine, like the naked smoothies. Those are both healthy. Yeah. Those yeah. are great. Yeah. But, uh, they're both just over my price limit. That's, why, <laughs> that's why I don't go for those. I'd make my own smoothie before I bought one of those nakeds. Yeah. So I, I was actually when in, and this is maybe yesterday, uh, like drew, you were talking about like having your decision made before you go into the, you know, into the restaurant or store or whatever, I I had gone into the convenience store with the mindset I was going to get trail mix and it was like $15 for like the, the, the good enough, like the big enough pack where it was actually going to be like a meal, you know, like uh-huh. instead of just like the little like single serving one. Um, and I was like, man, 15 bucks, like that's a lot of money for trail mix. 
So then I just like went next door to Arby's instead for six dollar yeah. nugs and, and fries. I honestly probably would have done the same thing. I can't stand how overpriced gas station stuff is. Like the healthy options, I'm like. No. Sometimes it's fine. It, it depends on the gas station. Like some some like sometimes you can get a pretty good you know trail mix for like seven bucks and like that's fine. Like that's similar to a meal anyways. So like I'll pay that. But uh, when it's like double the price, that's a little excessive. Yeah, this is where planning ahead goes goes a step further like go to walmart yeah. and get your get your snacks make your own trail mix ahead of time make your sure. own yeah all that yeah and i would say so this is one thing that i do is i like rather than like trying to like like i mean you were buying like a smoothie so like that's sort of like a meal replacement kind of thing but um like rather than buying like a gatorade at the gas station or or something like that a sports drink i just buy like a, a box or a, um like a package of propel packets or like liquid mm-hmm. iv works too yeah. um just to get those electrolytes in because if you're just like chugging water on a six hour car drive um you're you're gonna be like pretty over like hydrated with water and like you're missing out on like the electrolytes that you need so it's like good to have a you know some kind of mix in there so i usually just like get those little propel packets and it's there's not a ton it's not like you're getting like it's not like scratch or anything where you're getting like a ton of carbs and stuff too. Like it's usually zero calories and I don't know, maybe uh, like 200 milligrams of sodium or something like that. Um, but it's, it's better than just drinking water the whole time. And it's way cheaper than buying like a Gatorade at every gas station. Sweet. Is that a wrap? Yeah. So uh, for, for all the listeners out there, we are going to, um, well, we'll have to see this. This whole Jeremy Powers thing might mix things up a bit. I was planning on next week doing another listener uh, question, like special episode. Um, but we'll have to talk with Jay Powell and see what what works with his schedule as far as getting him on the show. But either this coming week or the following week, we're going to do another listener question uh, episode. So start sending those those questions in so we have some content to to talk about. We do have a couple pending listener questions right now that we were going to throw in if we had time but uh we just just got carried away we had too many pro tips so uh so we'll throw those into that listener episode question here in the next coming weeks yep now you guys are armed to the teeth with aladdin lamps in your backpacks there it is (laughs) all right see you guys see you all right folks thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the matchbox podcast like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email titled The Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch you all soon. Let's go! Let's go!